me uh, with the call. So this is Shawnee. So we will call to order today's meeting of the Little Rock Wastewater Commission, April the 20th. And we will do a Pledge of Allegiance with Mr. Hal Anderson. And Commissioner, I'm sorry to interrupt. I just want to verify that we have a quorum. I think I saw three people. I don't know that I saw four. Kanita, can you verify? We have three so far. Uh, Commissioner Waldrop, uh, Commissioner Marsh, and Commissioner Hightower. Thank you. Hal. Thank you very much. Hey, so Greg, we'll go ahead and um, we can go ahead and run with the safety minute, Greg, and and do that while we see if we have a few other members join. Yeah, and uh, let me, um, so, you know, generally, Commissioner, if I don't know if you remember, um, Commissioner Hightower, but uh, when we met in person, we would have our safety minute before we started the commission meeting, and we haven't been doing that since we started the uh, the online version, but, but I think it's important that we do. Um, this coming Saturday is uh, the uh, drug take back for the entire country and Arkansas does a phenomenal job uh, of being able to, to get folks to drop off their uh, either prescription or over the counter medication that either has expired, they don't need it anymore. Um, the reality is they need to get it out of their house. Um, so I, I, I wanna talk about the opioid crisis only because it's, it's such a big, big issue um, not only in Arkansas, but the country as a whole. Um, you know, just very briefly, um, the United States has a population of less than 5% of, of the world, but yet uses 80% of the world's uh, production of prescription opioids. And, um, you know, most, I, I'm really concerned about young young kids, teenagers, they, they, they get it from the house. They either get it from uh, their friends, uh, relatives, or from, from their own home. Um, and it, you know, it's just one of those things that uh, medications should be locked up, especially if you have, uh, if you have, uh, you know, uh, teenage young kids. Um, and also, if you do not need them, obviously they need to be disposed of. Next one, Kanita. Um, so, you know, one of the things that we're not good in um, is when you look at how many prescriptions per hundred people, um, Arkansas ranks uh, uh, really at the top. Uh, we have about 114 prescriptions for every 100 people in Arkansas. Uh, the national average is about 66. Uh, but on the positive note, um, Arkansas ranks very high on the uh, the drug take-back program. Um, so we're number two in the nation, and uh, we so we collect about 15 pounds per per hundred people. Um, and when when you look at the size of our of our uh, uh, the population of our uh, 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 of the state, it really is a big, big number. Um, since the start of the uh, drug take back program in 2010, Arkansas has collected 233,000, excuse me, tons of uh, prescription and, uh, and uh, over-the-counter medication. Um, and so in uh, October 20, uh, of last year, uh, we were we ranked we were ninth and we raked in uh, about thirty thousand pounds of medications. So um, we have our law enforcement group is is completely on board and and they're participating in just about every corner of the state. 
Um, we have uh, drop-off boxes uh, just about everywhere. Um, the next slide, Kanita. I, I want to say the easiest thing here is to say you, you see the 66%, and, and that really is a, it's an alarming number when you look at um, where, you know, teenagers and young adults who, who start, who report that they're starting to uh, abuse prescription drugs. And, and that just goes on and on. Um, you know, people get them from their home. Uh, they get them from their friend's home or they, they take them. Um, and, but they generally don't get them from a, from a pharmacy or off the street. So that's how it starts. Um, but like anything else, opioids become that gateway drug because 80% of the heroin users reported uh, misusing prescription opioids uh, prior to using heroin. So it's a pretty alarming number. Um, and then, you know, um, Commissioner Hightower, I would, I, I would be remiss at saying, please, please, please don't throw them in the garbage, but more importantly, don't flush them down the toilet um, as, as our treatment process has a difficult time removing some of the constituents, especially some of the uh, synthetic constituents. And, and as you know, this impacts fish and fowl. And uh, also there are uh, drinking, age, uh, dr drinking water agencies downstream. So we can't do that. Um, and, and then lastly, I'd like to say is, please, the, 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 the great thing about getting rid of drugs you don't need is they're no longer in your cabinets. They're no longer uh, able to be consumed by your pets or, or, or anyone else. And uh, a lot, lots of pets have to uh, have to go see the doctor because of consuming medication that they find um, around the house. So if you've got, again, over-the-counter and or prescription medication you no longer need, don't keep it in your home. Please dispose of it properly. Go on ardrugtakeback.org. The upper left-hand corner, all you have to do is put your zip code and it tells you the closest place to your home. So Commissioner Hightower, that's what I have. All right, thank you, thank you, thank you, sir. Yes, uh, most of your local Walgreens and all those guys participate. So that's a great initiative that, uh, that we are part of. So thanks, Greg, thank you very much. All right, item number four, uh, are there any objections to approving the minutes of the March 16th, 2022 meeting? All right, hearing no objections, the minutes are approved as written. Uh, Kanita, do we have a quorum yet? I think we do now. We do Just have a it. quorum and there okay. are no public comment cards. Thank you very much. All right, guys, I have number six, uh, public comments. Do we have any public comments card? Oh, you did, you just mentioned that one. Sorry about that. <laughs> no, so no public comments. Thank you very much. All right, uh, item number six, road dedication. How Anderson, will you discuss the road dedication for us, please, sir? Thank you, Commissioner Hightower. Greg asked me to just kind of give you a, a brief overview and, and maybe update of where we were with the uh, with the private road dedication. Hopefully what you can see on your screen um, highlighted in yellow is the existing private road owned by the city of the rock for the use and benefit of the, of the utility. Um, just to kind of give you a perspective of where that is, you can see that at the end of that yellow road, it ties into a, um, a paved street that eventually works its way out to, I guess what we, we call Chanel Parkway, which is the Chabal Parkway on the north side of, of Highway 10. So what I'm gonna be talking about today, um, it's public road that's not shown in yellow, but where it turns to yellow is the private road owned by the 
um, the utility or by the city for the use and benefit of the utility. And so that's what I'm talking about today. Um, I looked at my notes, hard for me to believe, but it's been almost a year ago. Um, it was back in April of 2021, um, Gene Pfeiffer reached out to the utility and, and met with Greg and I um, about the idea of the dedication of this private road. Um, as, you, as you might know, Gene Pfeiffer is a major property owner in this area. In fact, Gene Pfeiffer was the individual that we purchased the land for the Little Mall Mail Water Reclamation Facility from back in the in the two early 2000s. So um, he's he's definitely a neighbor of ours out there, and so um, we're always anxious to hear from him and and meet with him. And so we did. Um, and when he first approached us, uh, I don't know if you know it about Mr. Pfeiffer, but he's an avid um, bike or cyclist, whatever the right word is. John Holloway can probably correct me on that, but um, certainly, he, he's always been very uh, much involved in bike trails and things. And he first approached us with the idea of, of the possibility of using this private road as a bike trail to, um, to kind of connect a loop that he's working on. Um, and, and certainly, we, we listened to him and, and we went back and we said, you know, we kind of thought about it and, and visited with staff and tried to um, decide if there were any issues that we saw as, as you know, turning us over to a public road. Um, and the main one that came out for us was we have a we have a gate at the bottom or the right-hand end of this yellow road here. Um, that is a gate that restricts access to our plant. And currently there's no turnaround or anything at the end of that. So if a, if a delivery vehicle or a truck of some kind made its way down to the end of this private road, there wouldn't be a place for it to turn around. So when we met back with uh, with Mr. Pfeiffer, we we you know kind of indicated to him that we really didn't foresee any issues um, from the utilities aspect, but certainly there would need to be a turnaround constructed at the end to allow for for lost vehicles or um, to to be able to turn around without having to access into our plant. At that time, um, I guess between our two meetings, he had reached out to um, to White Daters and Associates, who was his. Uh, is I guess it's Tim Daters now who was his engineer. He owns property that you can see that's inside that pink city limits line, but to the north of that yellow private road there. And um, I think he was looking at different ways to access and develop that piece of property, um, some little over 20 acres, I think. And um, you know, his engineer said, hey, you know, it, it would benefit you to be able to access this property from this from this private road. So that just I think reinforced his request that we um, agree to allowing this to be dedicated as a as a public road. Um, we we both realized him certainly that it would have to go before the planning commission to get his plat approved. Um, so, and we also indicated to him at that point in time there might be some requirements um, put on him from the city's point of view. And, and certainly we requested that he would be responsible for any of those improvements or requirements that would come from the city. And he agreed to that. So um, recent update, I think in their April 14th meeting, so fast forward several, several months, um, the Planning Commission approved a preliminary plat for Mr. Pfeiffer for an 18 lot subdivision located in that area where it says Little Rock City Limits. You can see the, the wording there. Um, as a part of that preliminary plat, the um, private road would be dedicated as a public road for public access to that property. Um, 
the planning staff did put some uh, minor street improvements onto um, Gene Pfeiffer's request. In addition to those was the turnaround that we had requested at the far end of the of the street. So that concern of ours was addressed by the planning commission and the planning staff. I think it's probably some fire requirements and things like that. Um, there were some curb and gutter requirements, um, at least on one side, and maybe some some widening in a few areas or something like that. But he did uh, he did receive approval from the planning commission on the 14th. Um, I think the only item remaining now, and and um, certainly Gene is going to be working with City Attorney Tom Carpenter to identify um, what, if anything, is necessary. The the road's already in the name of the city of Little Rock for the use and benefit of the Water Reclamation Authority. So they'll just work through what, what might need to be done to execute the dedication of the private road to a um, to a public street. And that's that's my update. If there's any questions, um, I'll try to answer them. Any update, any questions for how guys? How, what's the anticipated conclusion of the uh, the project? Is it, did they give you a date? No, you know, that's um, generally speaking, as I understand, when you're dealing with the planning commission, the road improvements are usually a part of the development. And sometimes um, things can even be phased depending on how you're developing the property. I did see where they required that the turnaround at our plant entrance would be a part of phase one. So, okay. He'll take this preliminary plat, and I think he even actually, you know, then would would decide when he's going to do construction. He's had some other um, property platted out in that area that he's not, you know, not moved forward with the actual development on. So this is something that he has to get done before he can develop the property. But I don't think there's a timing that I'm aware of of how long it would be before he would develop those lots or or finalize it. I think Gene's probably going to move forward with. Um, and, and Gene, don't let me speak for you, but um, move forward with with working with Tom to figure out what we've got to do to at least get that part of the puzzle um, taken care of. So. Yep, I reached out. I've, I've reached out to him. Well, it's good to hear that the um, turnaround is in phase one. That's great. All right. Thank you, Hal. All right. Item number seven, our 2021 financial audit report. Mr. Mike Rota will have a uh, Cal Elmore with BKD uh, talk about that. So, Mike, I'll turn it over to you, sir. Thanks, Commissioner Hightower. Uh, we've got joining us in the Cab East room. You can see there on the screen with Trey and BJ. Uh, Kyle Elmore, who's a director with BKD, and Becca Kaiser, who's a manager with BKD. Uh, Kevin Kemp, the signing partner, is out of town. He normally uh, speaks to, to us uh, to present the audit report. But the uh, 2021 audit was completed by BKD. They recently released the report. Each of you should have received a soft copy via email, and it has been posted on our website. So Kyle is here today to kind of cover the highlights of that report and uh, of their report and and um, answer any questions that you might have. So thanks, Kyle and Becca, for joining us, and it's all yours. All right. Thanks, Mike. Um, well, you should have, like Mike said, uh, a couple of different reports in your packet here. Um, we were able to wrap up the audit and issue the final reports about a week ago. Um, we came out in the field in February and did the testing. 
So I, I say just the timing of that really speaks a lot to the accounting department and them able to have everything ready and wrapped up quickly after the end of the year. This is one of the first audits that we work on and one of the first audits that we is issue. So congratulations to them on that. Um, I will go ahead and just hit a couple of the highlights. If there's any questions, feel free to, to ask, to stop me, um, whatever you need to do. Um, but the, the management letter is the first thing here. Um, it's addressed to the commission. And it, the first paragraph here kind of goes over the auditor's responsibilities. And you can see there's various auditing standards um, that we are required to follow. Um, and these are um, these standards add up since y'all do receive federal funds and y'all are a governmental entity. There's a, a long list of standards that are required to be followed. Um, but one of the things that I wanted to point out here on page two of that management letter is management judgments and uh, accounting estimates. So, of course, when we're looking at these numbers, there's um, significant estimates that come into play. So we're um, sure to disclose those um, estimates and those are disclosed here. You know, with y'all's operations, you have um, a significant amount of receivables at year end. So one of those estimates is how much is going to be collected on that, your allowance for doubtful accounts. You also have a sig significant amount of capital assets and those are required to be depreciated. So there's a depreciation estimate that is um, that is really significant there on you know what is the life of that asset, and then the other two um, have become more um, more talked about items in the last couple of years to, to do standards, which would be your um, your net pension liability and then your OPEB or other post employment benefit liability like health insurance type liability. So those numbers really most of that information comes from an, an actuary does that work. But um, as you know, there's a lot of estimates that go into those calculations. Um, some other items here on the management letter um, that we have pointed out are significant financial statement disclosures. Um, one item there, we bullet out um, any litigation. Um, I don't want to scare y'all, but the, the litigation that, that is included in the audit report is items that have worked from years ago. So nothing new there. Um, it's, it's just the criteria related to those settlement agreements. Um, following that is the audit adjustments. There's a couple of audit adjustments made during the audit. Um, those are all listed out there, all of the proposed audit adjustments, and those are recorded. Um, nothing really significant there um, as far as the amount um, is recorded or adjustments compared to your, your financials as a whole. And then the kind of the last thing here on page two is typically if we had any findings or anything considered to be a significant deficiency or material weakness, um, that would be reported in this letter here. There were no significant deficiencies or material weaknesses. Um, we're happy to report. I'm sure you are happy to hear. Um, so there's the, the, the lack of uh, information there is what you want to see. And then page three, there is a new, um, is usually where we list out new accounting standards. There is a new accounting standard. Um, 
coming out related to leases. We've talked about this for, for many years, um, changing the accounting on the leases. Um, but really, from talking with the accounting department, I'm not sure if this is going to have an impact at all to y'all based off of, you know, your current agreements. Um, it is something to keep in mind as you enter into, you know, new agreements in future years. Um, basically, you're going to be recording an asset or a liability related to those leases, depending on the terms and the contract. Whereas in the past, you may have just recorded an expense when that is paid. So the accounting is different, but no real impact as, as it stands with y'all right now. Um, and then the, the large item here is your annual comprehensive financial report. So this um, management puts a lot of work into this 120 page document here, um, goes into a lot of detail about the authority. Um, so I'll just hit on a couple of things. Page one is the letter of transmittal put together by management. Um, it's kind of an introduction to the report and some information about the authority. Um, and then following that is your uh, certificate of achievement of excellence in financial reporting. So the one included in here is from the prior year. So once this annual financial report is completed, it is submitted to the GFOA for review. They do a thorough review of this to make sure you meet all the requirements with that. So those were all met last year. So that's what's included in here. And then it will then be submitted. The report this year will be submitted as well. Um, it's due by June 30. So again, you are, are way ahead of the game here on, on uh, getting this report issued. So congratulations um, for another year of achieving that. It's really, you know, you, you kind of take all the various accounting standards and auditing standards that you're required to meet, and then you add a, a few more pages to that, and that's what you get to, to be able to meet this um, certificate. So well done. Um, as far as the numbers go, um, if you look, it'd be on page 26 of that annual financial report. Um, it's a breakdown of your assets. And then page 27 is of your liabilities. So this is as of 1231-2021. And then it also shows the prior year. So just to kind of hit some of those highlights um, year over year, um, your current assets increased by about, oh, by about $11 million there. A lot of that is in cash. Um, so that's you know, a, a good indicator. Y'all also continue to have a lot of um, capital assets um, and investments in capital assets. So that number increased about 17 million on your capital assets. So your, your total assets are about 25 million higher there. And I'm looking at page 26 of that annual financial report. Um, on the liability side, there's a couple items I wanted to, to point out. Y'all did have a large bond refinance during the year. Um, so we spent a lot of time going through that because you're you're talking about big numbers that are that are changing there. And uh, the accounting for that is very complicated. So we spent some time looking at those bonds. Um, that bond payable number is 377 million. So that increased about 25 million from, from last year with that refinance and issuance there. 
So you did have an increase in those. Um, the other item I wanted to, to point out on the liability side is you had a large decrease in your net pension liability, which is good. So it's less of a liability on your books, but you may look at that year over year and think, what is going on? Um, it's just what I thought. But um, the reason for this is, you know, y'all participate in APERS and APERS from looking at their numbers, they really just had a strong year as far as investments go. Their return on investments was about 26%. So I'm sure the actuaries probably predicted six or 7%. So when you get a return like that, it really helped out the APERS plan as a whole. And, you know, further down the line helps out y'all's liability because y'all are a portion of that plan is the way that works. So that's good to see. Um, and then you'll also see that on the income statement, um, page 28, um, it's actually called the statement of revenues and expenses and changes in net position. So the income statement is a little easier there. Um, but the top line there, your, your operating revenues um, were strong for 21, um, up quite a bit from 2020, um, looking at your operating revenues up from, uh, to 65 million from 59 million in the prior year. Um, you'll see that your salaries and benefits decreased, and a lot of that is due to the uh, the APERS plan and the change in the, the pension calculation. So there's not as much expense during the year because they had such a great year with their investments. Um, but basically, that leads you to an operating income of $21.5 million. Um, you do have some non-operating expenses there. Most of those are related to interest expense and the bond issuance costs. The bond issuance cost is really a one-time thing in the year of issuance. So that'll fluctuate from year to year. But your total change in net position is 14.8 million, which is um, really a pretty substantial increase year over year. Um, you can see last year, y'all had an increase of 7.4 million. So, that's really what I had to hit on as far as the numbers go. There's lots of footnotes here that go into additional information. Um, and then there's a statistical section in the back that really goes into more detail, looking at past years, up to 10 years of information there if you wanna see some more trends. Um, but that's what I had to hit on. Um, if there's any questions, um, I'd be happy to, to do my best to try to answer those. Thank you for the report. Any questions, guys, for Kyle? Vice Chair uh, Hightower, I just want to thank the um, our our budget and finance folks. Uh, they they do a phenomenal job, and uh, seems like they do a phenomenal job every year. And I, I'm sure that uh, that uh, the BKD folks would uh, would would state the same thing. We're we're very pleased with the work that they do, and. And thank you, Kyle, for for your uh, for your audit report. Right. It, it, it's, I may have skipped over the most important part here. It is a clean, unmodified opinion. Um, so that's what you want to hear there. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I was waiting for that. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. You didn't tell me that. Well, there's a 120 page document here, but yes, the uh, the opinion there on page. Oh, I'm not sure. Page 13. Uh, clean unmodified opinion. So that's what you, you want to see. 
And then also no uh, no significant deficiencies or material weaknesses to report. They really do. They do a great job. Yeah, hats off to uh, uh, Mike and the team. So thank you very much. So guys, do I hear a motion to accept the 2021 financial audit report? So moved. We have a second. Second. Uh, all those in favor? Aye. 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 Any opposed? All right. The motion passes. Thank you guys very much. Thank you. All right, guys. Uh, item number eight on the agenda. Resolution 2022-01. Adoption of the Pulaski County Hazardous Mitigation Plan. Uh, Ms. Tanya Wallace will cover that with us, please. Uh, Tanya? Hey, thank you. Let me share. Are you able to see the presentation? Yes. Okay. Well, good afternoon, commissioners. As we investigate funding opportunities, uh, we find items that are required or even recommended of us in order to be eligible for funds made available. So I have before you the resolution 2022-01 adopting Pulaski County Hazard Mitigation Plan. As we dig a little deeper into the background of what brought about organizations such as us needing a hazard mitigation plan, the Disaster Mitigation Act of 2000, it was created creating the framework for state, local, tribal, and territorial governments to engage in hazard mitigation planning so that they can receive certain types of disaster assistance. So the purpose of the hazard mitigation plan is to prov provide guidance for hazard mitigation activities in Pulaski County. This hazard mitigation plan was developed and then submitted to FEMA, which is known as the United States Federal Emergency Management Agency. And FEMA has to adopt that plan or approve that plan in order for it to be accepted. So that was done in January of 2021. So the three emergency management offices, such as Pulaski County, City of Lorock and City of North Lorock. They'll take turns applying for grants to cover the cost for the uh, mitigation plan update. And that has to be that update has to be done every five years. And they hired Central Arkansas Planning and Development District to help with that update. And the group engages county, cities, communities, school districts, and all of these planning processes. So it is a countywide multi-jurisdictional hazard mitigation plan, which they have named Little Rock Water Reclamation Authority within this plan. And that is why we're here today wanting to adopt it. Within the plan, you know, it'll, it'll assess ongoing natural hazard mitigation activities, it evaluates additional mitigation measures to be undertaken and outline a strategy for implementation of the mitigation projects. That's just the cover 
of the current Pulaski County Hazard Mitigation Plan and how it was approved January the 19th of 2021. So as we look at the benefits, it, it puts you in a better position to obtain pre and post disaster funding. And anytime that we're awarded any grant funding like that, it's less burden on our rate payers. We're able to identify problems and possible solutions in advance of disasters, which you are also able to recover faster and more wisely from a disaster. And as we know in our world, impacts of failure result in a risk to public health and safety and unpermitted discharge of raw sewage. So the why now gets back to we were investigating funding opportunities and as part of these funding opportunities you have to be a part of the hazard mitigation plan and so we were looking at building resilient infrastructure and in communities brick which you can apply on a yearly basis um, there's hazard mitigation grant programs through fema and then other pre-disaster mitigation funding Before we move to today's consideration, do y'all have any questions that I might can help you with on this Pulaski County Hazard Mitigation Plan? It's a quick, quick question, Tanya. So this plan overall for the Pulaski County, I know you just said that the Little Rock wastewater is part of that. What other city uh, agencies or are there any other agencies that are also part of this? They'll be using this particular plan. I saw um, Central Arkansas Water listed. Okay. Um, you, anyone in within Pulaski County um, school schools, uh, City of Maumel, I believe. Uh, okay. There was KMAC Village. It, it's just all there's a big list. Gotcha. Perfect. And so all of us are following this same plan this plan is throughout everyone should be on the same um impact everyone should have the same knowledge of this plan yes okay perfect so today's consideration staff is requesting commission to approve resolution resolution 2022-01 a resolution adopting the Pulaski County Multi-Jurisdictional Hazard Mitigation Plan for the Little Rock Water Reclamation Authority, Pulaski County, Arkansas, and for other purposes. Okay. Do I hear a motion to that effect, guys? So moved. Do we have a second? Second. All right. All those in favor? Aye. Aye. All right. Any opposed? All right. It passes. Thank you very much. Okay. Thank you. All right. Tony, we'll also discuss number nine, uh, change order approval construction for Boyle Park, uh, Rebsman, and I-630 project. Uh, Tony, I will turn it back over to you again. Okay. Right. 
the I-630 crossing Redsman and Bull Park. That was part of our, that is part of our large dammer sewer rehabilitation project. And this is a change order request. But before we got into the change order request, I wanted to remind you what this, this project was about. It had a line that we were needing to rehabilitate that supported Baptist Health Medical Center. There's a large dammer line in Rebsman Park and Bull Park. We started with Arcadis in 2018. These were just previous actions that have been before the commission, the SEPAs were approved, and even recommendations of award of construction that has either completed or is still in construction. As I mentioned, Rebsman Park, I wanted to give you, a, while we were here, go ahead and give you an update. We did complete a 1,648 feet of cured in place liner to this, to this area. That was 30 inch pipe. The Bull Park, we have completed a 3,624 inch CIPP. They lack about 10 feet of open cut and this project will be complete or this area. And then our I-630 crossing, they've complete. This is the one that supports Baptist Health. We've cleaned the line. The liner should be here in two weeks and that will once that liner is installed on that 18 inch line for 678 feet, this will be complete as well. So this moves us into our change order proposal on our additional priority one lines. I wanted to bring up a map because it includes the three that I just spoke about, the blue one, the green one, and the red one. These purple lines are the lines that we need, would like to ask for permission to include into this change order. And to dig a little deeper into it so you can see there are two line segments here. This is near John, this is John Barrow, and this is Rock Creek. And we have a 21 inch sewer main here where we need these two line segments with cured in place pipe, 584 feet, rehab of four manholes. This Non-reinforced concrete pot was placed into service in 1968. So these are two of the five lines. The third line is at the intersection of South Grant Street and West 16th. To the left of here is University. This is a non-reinforced concrete pipe that was installed in 1950. So they would clean this 21 inch line and do another cured in place liner for 209 feet and rehab two manholes. Our fourth and fifth line that of non-reinforced concrete pipe installed in 1971. Down here towards the bottom, this is at 3rd and Louisiana Street. Then up here in the top right hand corner, this is East Lahar near the amphitheater downtown. They would clean these 18 inch sewer lines and put a cured in place liner of 485 feet 
rehabbing the four manholes. So when we look at this, our contractor that has this is Suncoast Infrastructure, who we initially gave them the work for over $2.2 million. The change order of these five line segments would be at a cost of $305,449. The Suncoast said that they would honor, even under the current market, they would honor and utilize the existing contract prices. So the increase would be 13.6% to this contract. So when we look at rehabilitating these five lines, after we assessed all of our large diameter system, we wanted to make sure and get through all of the system and identify anything that was considered emergency or urgency. And once we made it through there, then we were able to tackle, okay, here's the top five priority one lines that needed repaired in the next three to five years from the time the defects were identified. So these de defects were identified in 2020. The funds were budgeted in 2022 for any large diameter repairs. So we do have the funding for this. And I wanted to remind that Suncoast has had extensive experience with large diameter cured in place pipe, and we have been very satisfied with their work and performance. We don't anticipate any other future commission items at this time, and this is when we open up for questions. Thanks for explaining that, Tanya. I can't remember what the first slide said. Did this initial order get approved prior to 2020? Is that the issue here? Um, uh, make sure I understood your question, Lauren. Can you repeat that? Yeah, I just was. So the only issue here is that these defects were identified after the order was approved. Yes. Well, okay. no, these these defects were identified in 2020, but what we were concerned with spending what money we had available was yes. when we were going still going through the assessment, we were scared we might find something that was so much of an emergency that that it couldn't wait. These could wait a little bit longer. We're now in a one to three year priority window instead of three to five. But an emergency situation is we couldn't wait at all. So yeah. once we finished all of our assessment and we found we had no more um, lines identified that had to be repaired immediately, we knew we could tackle these top five priority one lines. Does that? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it's still, yeah, I understand it was just a timing issue and this this now can fit into the scope. But I mean, I would also say, are there any other orders that we can expand uh, in that would fit into this if they're not going to tack on inflation because that seems very attractive to me. <laughs> I know um, and we we've been that's what we looked at and we were trying to find the highest party ones and stay within what the money we had budgeted as well. So this is the most we can utilize that at this time. Okay. Great question. 
Any other questions, guys? Other questions? All right, in that regards then, do I hear a motion to that effect? So moved. Do I have a second? Second. All those in favor, please say aye. 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 And Tanya, just for the record, uh, will you just state that request? I don't, we don't need a revote, but we do need to get it on the record. Okay. Staff is requesting commission to approve the construction change order for Suncoast infrastructure in the amount of $305,449 and authorize Rock Water Reclamation Authority CEO to execute the change order for I-630 Red Cement and Bull Park Rehabilitation Project. Thank you, Jean. I jumped the gun there. Thank you, Jean. All right. All right, guys. All right. Thank you very much. Thank you. All right. Item number 10, our annual contract authorization for the collection system analysis and capacity assurance services. Uh, Carrie Beth Lipscomb. I guess that's me. That's you. Okay, can we see the presentation and hear me? Yes. Great. Good afternoon, commissioners. Hopefully y'all are staying warm and dry on this very rainy spring day. I know we've all been glued to our dashboard, which we'll get here get to here in just a second. Today, we're back at it again with another important professional services renewal that, that will help us monitor and track our progress towards our consent administrative order goal or our CAO. So let's go ahead and get started here. As is usual, we will cover some background of these professional services, where we are today, and some future actions um, that you might be seeing coming up. Just a little background here. This project was highlighted a little over a year ago and we brought you the recommendation to award uh, professional services shortly thereafter. Now you might be wondering why we're back with another request today, and that is because this contract was awarded with the potential for yearly renewals. So that's what we're bringing forward for you today. Um, moving on to where we are today, I know that there, there's a lot on this slide and I, I won't read the entire list, but what it represents is really just how valuable this contract is to our success in meeting the CAO. As I said, this is a renewable contract annually. And as we continue to remediate and tighten up our collection system, each of these performance measures prove that the efforts that we've put forth are working. Um, you know, the fund doesn't really stop after we meet the CAO. Um, it really begins once we meet that deadline, we have to work continuously to maintain our system and that compliance. And these measures uh, that are included in this professional services renewal will help us do that. Um, uh, things like the inflow and infiltration or INI program, our extensive hydraulic modeling, which is uh, such a, a niche service, um, updates and flow monitoring measures um, will all help us monitor our efforts. And of course, our rainfall dashboard, which we have all been glued to today with the rain, helps display our rain gauges throughout the city and just what kind of flows we're seeing in real time. Um, and then uh, on the horizon, we look forward to bringing you our storyboard, which will kind of um, paint the picture, tell our story of how we got to compliance and how we plan to maintain that. 
Um, so that's something to look forward to. Hopefully we, we can bring that to you soon. Uh, some of you may remember our rainfall intensity dashboard, but I just wanted to provide a refresher because this tool in our toolbox really is just invaluable to us. This is a screenshot from our website where anyone can access this dashboard actually um, updated to include today's um, event. And I provided a link here at the bottom just in case you'd like to explore it a little bit more. Um, uh, but what this dashboard provides us is real-time look at where our flows are in the service area and we have and if we have overflows and if those overflows are in compliance based on the criteria um, provided by our regula regulatory agencies. As for future commission items, um, uh, as we continue to monitor our efforts to and beyond meeting our CAO compliance, uh, we will look at additional renewals to this contract. Um, at this time, though, I will pause and entertain any questions. Vice Chair um, Hightower I, and commissioners, I just want to say that, you know, and I've talked, we've talked about this before, you know, we spend millions and millions of dollars uh, improving our system. And what, what RJN does is basically not only tell us um, what those improvements have done to the overall system, um, but where else do we need areas of, of improvement? So we're really, the, their goal is to make sure that, that we're spending our money as wisely as we can, and we're getting a true feedback on, on what our improvements are doing to the system. That, that, that's my layman's, uh, how, how I explain that. <laughs> oh, oh, thank you, thank you. All right. Okay, thank you, Greg. Um, and with that, we'll move on to our request here. Staff is requesting commission to authorize CEO Greg Ramon to negotiate and execute the engineering services contract with the R RJN group. And really, this is just a contract renewal, um, not to exceed $589,030 for the 2022 collection system analysis and capacity assurance services. Thank you. Do I hear a motion to that effect? Do we have a second? Second. All those in favor, please say aye. 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 All right. Great, great, great. Motion passes. Thank, Thank you. you, commissioners. Thank you. All right. Item number 11, our uh, self-funded health care. Uh, we're going to get a first quarter update from uh, Mr. Mike Rota. We are, Commissioner Hightower, thank you. Uh, first of my two items, the second will be the March up financial update, but here's a picture of uh, what I'm told, this was pre uh, my employment here, 2018, uh, the morning of uh, the Employee Appreciation Day, they did a, a 2K plunger run slash walk. And so, you know, related to healthcare, and we'll talk about the, uh, the first quarter, where we stand, Obviously, a new initiative with us going self-funded this year, and so on a quarterly basis or as needed, um, you know, we'll try to keep you abreast of how we're doing. So if we could go to the next slide, please. Just hitting the uh, highlights, the employee feedback overall has been positive. Um, 
We hear the claims are being processed promptly and the benefit statements are distributed quickly. So people are aware of uh, how their insurance is, is working um, in their, uh, to, to cover their, their prescriptions and their, their medical service needs. Um, we're hearing that some recurring prescriptions are costing um, our employees and dependents maybe a little bit more, but also we're hearing that some are less. So overall, um, that seems to be pretty positive. Issues that have come up have, have been resolved pretty uh, efficiently and effectively. And usually that involves one or more of the four parties I've listed. Obviously, Stevens is our insurance broker and they work hand in hand with us almost as an extension of our HR team. UMR is our TPA. They're administering the medical claims and we use the United uh, Healthcare Network through them. Magellan manages our pharmacy program and Payer Matrix, who I'll talk about a little bit more in the next bullet, manages our specialty drug program. Uh, specialty drugs impacts a small number of our total covered people, which is you know a little over 500. They call it belly buttons. We got over 500 belly buttons on our plan. Specialty drugs generally is, is really the really high cost medicines that there are um, support programs available for and payer matrix manages our specialty drug program. We've had a few hiccups with uh, people getting qualified for um, their specialty drug. They were receiving it before under Blue Cross Blue Shield. Now that we're under United Healthcare and we've adopted payer matrix, the benefit of having payer matrix is not only do our employees have a significantly reduced cost for these really high cost medications, but the plan also is relieved of its financial obligation when we go through payer matrix. So we're not only saving the employees money directly out of their pocket, but we're saving them money indirectly as uh, all our claims are uh, aggregated and ultimately the costs are shared by all of us. So it's a win-win. Uh, the, uh, the hiccups are being ironed out pretty quickly. People are not going without their specialty medications. Obviously, we're working around those issues, but those have been probably the, the most significant issues we've had. Slide two, please. This is just a quick snapshot of first quarter, what our healthcare claims have been. Obviously, 2019, 2020, and 2021 were with Blue Cross Blue Shield. Uh, 22 so far through the first quarter through March, our claims are at 314,000. We knew there would be a honeymoon period because there's no carryover claims from 2021. Those were all handled by Blue Cross Blue Shield. So we really had a two or three week period at the beginning of, of the year where we really weren't seeing any claims being paid by um, UMR on our behalf. Uh, I understand in January and February, the Blue Cross Blue Shield still paid about $150,000 of our claims related to 2021 services. And in March, I don't have that updated number, but it was, it was um, decreasing and it was probably fairly insignificant. So really that $200,000 or so, well, let's call it of first quarter claims that were carry over from 2021 were, were not our responsibility. And that's why our, our total claim number is way down compared to the last two years. So this is the last slide on this. It's just a financial summary. We came to the commission last fall and, and um, 
asked for and you approved the establishment of a healthcare reserve account, which we don't intend to uh, touch. $800,000 is what we put in that account. And with uh, the markets and the financial institutions, fantastic interest rates, we've already earned $115 on that $800,000. Um, but we have $800,000 and $115,000 in, in, in that account. And then in our operating account, which is really where the claims are paid out of and the admin costs, we put $180,000 in there to start it so that uh, there was money in there for UMR to draw down on when they needed it when the year opened up. We have deposited uh, $717,000 from the utility, which is just under $240,000 a month. We continue to make our premium payment, if you will, into this account on a monthly basis. And then our employees and retirees uh, put in about um, $50,000, $52,000 a month. So that totals 158. So we've added 876,000. The medical and pharmacy claims as the last slide shows total about 314. And the admin fees run about 55, 56,000 a month. The most significant component of that admin fee is our stop loss insurance, our reinsurance, which helps, uh, which kicks in and pays all claims once they reach over a certain amount on a per individual basis. That's $75,000. And um, that's about 80% of that $55,000 that we pay every month. And then we pay a relatively small fee to UMR to be our TPA process claims and, and work with us um, to make it seamless, that's about $10,000 a month. So of the 55, 56 that we pay in admin fees, 45,000 of it round numbers is paid for our insurance, which protects us against high claims and 10,000 is paid for, uh, for just admin fees. So the total cash balance in our operating cash account for healthcare at the end of the first quarter is 570,000. It's a good start. We're hearing good things from our employees. Obviously, financially, we've uh, we've got the plan adequately funded. Uh, we monitor claims on a, on a weekly basis, and uh, we we um, just to keep an eye on volumes and what's happening. And uh, that's the end of uh, my planned discussion on this item. I'll be happy to field any questions. Hey, Greg. Hey, Mike. You mentioned that we had a honeymoon at first quarter. What is your anticipated? amount to Q. I mean, do you expect to go up any certain amount of percentage or? or um... Yeah, I think, um, you know, we're, we, we're funding this at about 3.6 million. So we're, we're expecting about $300,000 a month. The honeymoon period is, is really, it was twofold. First of all, we didn't have any claims coming over from 2021, but then just like in other years, um, employees haven't hit their deductible yet at the beginning of the year. So, you know, there's more money coming out of employee HSA accounts and out of their own pockets in the first quarter until deductibles are hit. But ultimately, if we've, if our actuarial analysis was, was accurate, we expect our claims to average over the course of the year about $300,000 a month and come in roughly at 3.6 million. We're hoping to do a little better than that, you know, time will tell. So they, they will pick up, you know, significantly as we go on through the year. Gotcha. Thank you. Thank you, Mike. All right. Well, we'll just keep it going, Mike. With uh, Are there any questions from Mike about the, um, the health care plans? All right, then, Mike, we'll keep it rolling with the March financial report. Okay. Thank you. 
just a second to pull that presentation up. Here it comes. You'll see a picture here. This is uh, one of the employee appreciation lunches we had on a hot day, I think last August, we were out of Bush Creek. That's well, Walter, Greg and I, I think we had barbecue that day. And, um, you know, those are always fun events to, to go over even when you do have to wear a mask. But uh, page one and hit the highlights. Um, the revenue for the month of March was 5.4 million. Again, exceeded budget by $100,000 year to date. We're at 16 million, we're $400,000 greater than budget and operating expenses continue to run a little bit less than budget uh, by 158,000 in the uh, month of March and year to date we're $450,000 under, under budget on our expenses. Slide two, we'll talk a little bit about revenue. Revenue, as I said, exceeded budget. It was primarily driven by non-domestic assessments which uh, were the big driver of the overachievement. And then I'll touch on uncollectibles again for, for just a second. Uh, March uncollectibles was $197,000. We really get that number from CAW who processes our billings. We were told um, earlier this week that they had a glitch in their, um, in their write-offs for March. They have, there were some that were duplicated a significant amount. So that $197,000 is overstated. They have since backed out completely that 197,000. They're rerunning it and we expect early next week to get the corrected number for March. Um, you know, CAW has write-offs and um, bad debt expense has been a real challenge for them. Number one, if you go back in the pandemic and shutoffs were suspended, they developed a manual process for uh, tracking write-offs so that we could still estimate how much of our billings we would not collect. And then they had a billing system conversion and they're just still trying to recover from, from that manual process and their billing system conversion and get every, everything in sync. So they think they're on the right track, time will tell, but um, it was bad debt expense was overstated for March and we'll have a corrected number soon. Revenue continues to be a strong story. This slide basically shows the rolling 12 month average. So the last 12 months ended March, 2022. Domestic water consumption is up 4.3% over the prior 12 month rolling average and non-domestic uh, is up 4.9%. So water consumption continues to increase after, you know, and has been now for a couple of years um, when we really were facing some pretty significant declines uh, when I joined the utility in 2019. Just a quick snapshot on expenses. As I indicated, we are slightly under budget. Salaries continues to be uh, the largest under budget item, and it's really just related to headcount. 220 authorized positions. I think we had 206 um that on average that we um had salaries for so we're getting caught up in the recruitment game but you know still 14 uh vacancies on average is a is a much bigger number than we typically run with and then the next slide we'll talk about cash flow uh, we increased our cash balance during the course of the month by five and a half million dollars 
um, of which uh, the operation provided, you know, 6.4 million of, uh, of, of positive. We put 3.1 million in capital investments. We end the month with uh, 68.8 million of which almost 60 million of it is non-restricted in our operating reserve. We're required to have 60 days cash supply in our reserve, that's 9.4 million. We've got 59.3 million, so well in excess and our bond coverage ratio is required to be at 120% for our bonds and we're at 161%. So we just continue to have really strong financial performance. And then the final slide, we just take a look at uh, our debt. We increased our debt by borrowing um, to draw down on, on three different RLFs that we still have capacity on. Uh, we increased our debt up to $389 million, just under for the end of March, and our interest expense was $1.1 million. And that's the March and first quarter financial report. That's a good one. Um, great job, Mike. You guys just continue to do a great job month over month with with that. So hats off to you guys. Any question, guys, you have for Mike or the team? Mike, congratulations on another clean audit. Thanks for all the work that you do on that. Uh, yeah, thank you very much. You know, BJ and his team, Donna and, and Angie, and I mean, there's a number of them, but they, they, they really, you know, they're the ones responsible. They're the ones who are responsible for earning the financial achievement awards and, and clean audits and um, appreciate that. that they're, they're, they do a great job. Thank you. Yeah. Hey, what are we attributing this non-domestic consumption growth to? Did we forecast that or do we need to talk about it? Well, I think that it's really just, you know, when the pandemic hit and, and non-domestic revenues went south really fast, we started to see them rebound much faster than we thought. But still, when you're budgeting this stuff, you're, we, were, we put the budget together last summer and late last fall, and things were still coming back. But, you know, you're not you still don't feel completely bullish on going out there with the real. So I think it's really just maybe a slightly conservative budget on on uh, on non-domestic and just the economy doing much better than, than yeah. we're willing to admit at this point when we when we have to put a budget together. Seems like it's pro there's probably a correlation with inflation there for the same reasons. <laughs> That's for sure. All right. Any other questions, guys, for Mike? All right, thank you. Now we'll have a legal update from uh, Jean Block. So Jean, I'll turn it over to you, ma'am. Hello, commissioners. Um, still busy in, in my shop, uh, working on a range of issues involving energy and integrity, um, reviewing a number of contracts, and um, working to hire a new uh, director of environmental affairs, and I hope to do that within a week or so. Um, and then in terms of our pending lawsuit, we are still waiting on a ruling from the Court of Appeals. Good stuff. Any questions for Jean, guys? All righty. Thank you very much, Jean. Thank you very much. All right, we'll have our CEO monthly update, Mr. Greg Ramon. Uh, Vice Chair uh, Hightower, Commissioners, uh, good evening and uh, and thank you for joining us. Um, we've had a really, really busy, um, busy month. It seems like a year, but it's actually a month. Um, 
We, uh, we, will, we will be advertising for the Fush Creek Water Reclamation Facility Digester Flares and Sludge Line Improvement Project. I know that sounds awesome. Um, this project will increase the facility's uh, gas handling capacity and provide redundancy and reliability to the sludge thickening process. Um, these improvements will also prepare Fush Creek Water Reclamation for uh, increase in solids generation. Um, this is all uh, with the upcoming fat oil and grease receiving station improvements. Also, uh, we can't uh, forget about uh, celebrating Earth Day. And uh, we had a booth at the Chico Elementary uh, School Community Cafe. Uh, in addition to giving out free canned grease uh, kits and flower seed packets to parents, students could spin the water reclamation wheel of fortune uh, for a chance to win a prize and it has, of course, everything to do with uh, if they could answer the question on water-related uh, questions that we had for them. Also, um, as the weather warms up, groups are looking for field trips and educational outings. Uh, the number of tours are beginning to increase. We hosted two tours uh, with students from uh, Gruden High School um, and students with the Arkansas Construction uh, and Education Foundation. Uh, next week, uh, we have a pretty busy schedule as well. We will be hosting tours of the plumbers uh, through the Central Arkansas uh, Plumbers Association. I am extremely proud of the work that uh, that our staff does, as well as uh, taking care of the facility. And, and keep in mind, as the largest water reclamation utility in the state, we do have a responsibility to share our knowledge with future leaders um, in the field. Also, um, I, speaking of future leaders, I had an opportunity uh, uh, to present uh, an overview of our utility and how our work impacts the city's economic development uh, to participants of the Leadership Greater Little Rock uh, 36, Class 36 and Class 37. We have two employees in the program who were pr uh, present at the presentation, Carrie Beth uh, Lipscomb and Reggie Grant, and they wanted to take a picture of, uh, with me after the after my talk. So evidently, they weren't uh, they weren't uh, embarrassed with me. So. So that was a good thing. Um, also want to say that uh, last night I did a presentation to members of the Sierra Club uh, regarding the great things that the LRWRA uh, is doing, not only to protect public health and the environment, but I talked a lot about the capital improvement projects that we have completed uh, to meet the consent administrative order. Um, they asked some really, really good questions and shared several compliments uh, of the great work that we're doing. Uh, they also expressed uh, interest in touring one of our water reclamation facilities. Also, our HR department has spent uh, this uh, spring participating in several recruitment activities, including events at uh, University of Arkansas at Pine Bluff, University of Arkansas at Little Rock, and several of the uh, University of Ar Arkansas at Fayetteville um, events. Um, also at the Arkansas Tech University and one sponsored by Central Arkansas Water, which was at a local uh, uh, local church. Our goal is to obviously attract bright minds and our future leaders. Also last week, uh, our very own Jean Block was a panelist at the Women's Summit sponsored by the uh, Sherwood Chamber of Commerce. Uh, she was joined by other amazing women, including the director of the Arkansas Department of Transportation and a lawyer, uh, lawyer turned pastry chef. Uh, the panelists talked about uh, their challenges and successes in their field. Um, I want to update you um, on a, uh, the uh, LRWRA solar project. 
Uh, we recently received a letter from Integrity's attorney, and that was uh, actually yesterday. The letter states that uh, uh, that we as LRWRA have two options, and that's one, we can agree to a 42% increase in contractual cost upgrade uh, from the 5.4 cent per kilowatt hour uh, that we had agreed upon, which was non-escalating. So, so if we, if the or the other thing is that uh, they would like to terminate the contract and this is all, um, they're citing force majeure of uh, the pandemic as the reason for doing this. Um, I will uh, forward this letter to you. We're working on a response letter to them, but in short, we do not agree with their request and expect integrity to honor uh, and uh, to honor the, uh, their contract. Um, I, I plan on bringing an update of this issue at the May Little Rock Water Reclamation Commission meeting. I hope to have more information to you uh, then. And um, Vice Chair um, Hightower, that's what I've got for highlights. And if uh, there are no questions, I'd like to continue with the uh, May agenda. Are there no questions? All right, May agenda, sir. All right, so we will uh, we will present a recommendation for award uh, for construction of the Fush Creek Water Reclamation Embankment Damage, and uh, this occurred uh, in the 2019 flood, and this is also being 75% uh, covered by FEMA. Also, recommendation of award for construction of wastewater collection system, and this was the damage that occurred uh, from the 2019 flood, and again, 75% of that will be covered by FEMA. Uh, our consideration of a construction contract involving pipe bursting, relaying in place, and this is to deal with inflow and infiltration reduction program. This is the Rose Creek, Repsiman, and Rock Creek grassy flats area. Also recommendation of award for the construction of the Adams Field Water Reclamation primary clarifier. This is to do some repair and coating work. Um, a recommendation of award for the biosolids hauling and land application contract. We'll be coming to you with that. Um, recommendation of award uh, for healthcare insurance benefit brokerage and consulting firm. And then obviously, as, I, as I've talked to you, um, information regarding the integrity solar contract uh, change request, and we may request possible commission action uh, of that. So. Um, Vice Chair uh, Hightower, Commissioners, that's what I've got. All right, sir. Thank you very, thank you very much, Mr. Ramon. All right. Any old business? How about new business? <laughs> All right. With that being said, our next meeting will be May the 18th, 2022. Maybe we may meet in person. I uh, hopefully, uh, if we can get somebody that will come with me, I'll meet down there. But uh, other than that, we are set for adjournment. Is there any objection to uh, adjournment? Hearing no objections, this meeting is adjourned. Thank you. Thank you.